Hi, I'm Ashley Nichols. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan. And this is the Growing Democracy Podcast, a space for citizens, experts, and advocates to create community together. Each week, we invite a guest to talk about civic engagement, governance, and how to grow our democracy. This episode is part of our series on the power of political and civic engagement. We're talking with local elected officials, public officials, and community activists to learn more about what civic and political engagement means to them and how they're involved in their communities. Yeah, this week we are talking to a student actually at Kent State University, um, our second student from Kent State University. It's been so much fun to talk to students. Sorry to totally derail your no, it's there. been a ton of fun because it, I think our experiences have been uh, very similar in that our undergraduate students are really passionate and really committed um, and just have some fabulous uh, ways of expressing their beliefs and, and how they see government in alignment or not in alignment with those beliefs. Um, and so getting to talk to a student on the podcast um again, has been really exciting. I'm just, I'm very glad that we got the opportunity. So this time we're talking a little bit about what, what it means to be civically and politically engaged and really, really, really kind of grounding that in conversations around voting. And one of the things that really resonates with me about this episode in particular is that voter mobilization isn't just about getting people to vote, Right. I, that that voter mobilization and voter registration and, and thinking about political engagement through voting is not just about voting. Right. I mean, voting is important. There's there's no doubt that there uh, there's a great deal of importance in voting. But um, it's it's not the beginning and it's definitely not the end of what it takes to be politically and civically engaged. And I think part of what we need to keep in mind and, and what our guest today reminds us of. Uh, in multiple points, is that in order to vote, and, and sometimes in order to appreciate your vote, you need to have some sense of faith in yourself and your own ability to make decisions about uh, government and political representation that deeply infect, uh, uh, impact you, and that um, and that you, especially when you're a student and you're young, you know, twenty something, you're on, a, a young adult that you have the power to, to voice your opinions in, in multifaceted ways. And one of those mechanisms is voting. Yeah, um, I'm super excited to have uh, Ethan Lauer with us today. All right, so today we're here with Ethan Lauer. He's a junior political science student at Kent State University and the Director of Governmental Affairs for Undergraduate Student Government at Kent State. Uh, he's spearheading the Kent State Votes Project and is the Campus Election Engagement Project Fellow. So we're really excited to have you here, Ethan. Hi, I'm excited to be here. Ethan, tell us a little bit about how you got to Kent State and what brought you to political science and, and being a student in student government. Yeah, so for Kent State, um, I think it's a pretty typical like college student story where I was looking for somewhere affordable that I'd want to go, but I did want to move away from home and get some freedom there. So it wasn't, it's not too far from where I'm from. Um, I'm from Canal Fulton, Ohio, so like 45 minutes south. So I also have a connection to May 4th, um, 1970. My 
grandma's cousin was actually Glenn Frank. So it did spark my interest as well and got me involved in some stuff with May 4th. But I already had an interest in politics. I got pretty passionate about it when I was about 16, 17 during the 2016 presidential election. Um, And I started to realize that I didn't want to go into engineering. (laughs) I wanted to go into the humanities. So I got interested in that as well. And then I decided I wanted to go to Kent. Um, And at Kent, I got pretty involved on campus. Um, I was hired as an RA as a freshman. That got me involved in student leadership. I also did some other leadership roles like um, Provost Leadership Academy. And I pretty much knew like I wanted to go into undergraduate student government. But it wasn't until sophomore year working with Tierra um, on her governmental affairs committee and with Kent State Votes that I ultimately decided uh, to run. And now I'm here. So that's how I got here. That's awesome. So we have done an interview with Tiara, um, and she's the current president of Kent State's undergraduate student government. So just for our listeners, so if they're they're hearing these in different order, <laughs> that's who we're referring to. Could you tell us a little bit about the history of Kent State votes in particular and, and what it is and the goals, objectives, and all those things that kind of go along with this type of project? Yeah, so it started with some officials from administration, from like student-engaged learning, um, and the library, who has always been really involved in registering voters and engaging them. They kind of came together and built a coalition of faculty, eventually involving some students, I think over, you know, like the past like 10 years or so. And as that's come together, they decided, look, we need students to engage students. That's the best way to do it. And so they kind of tapped student government. And last year was actually the first year that student government, specifically like the director of governmental affairs, has uh, led this initiative. So it started with Tiara, who's now the president of USG. Um, So that's how it really came to be. I think it's still evolving. Like, I don't think we're in our final form. Like, I think that we can still improve on some things and really institutionalize the initiative beyond just being led by the director. I think that USG as a whole can take more of a proactive approach to community organizing around this initiative. But I do think that it's come a long way. And I think that it's found its home. So now tell us a bit more about what brought you to the work at Kent State Votes. And and for our listeners who may not be aware, this is a nonpartisan organization that students are engaged in, very similar to right League of Women Voters, where they're not partisan in any way, but the goal is ultimately uh, just to get people to, to use their vote. So what brought you to this work and what's what's happening now, especially when, you know, it's kind of difficult to do in-person work? <laughs> Yes. So actually, I think that May 4th, 1970, which for those of you that don't know, four students were killed at Kent State in 1970 during a protest against the Vietnam War. It sparked widespread mass protests across colleges across the nation. They they shut down. They ended classes. It's actually one of the things that's pretty similar to COVID-19 um, and what happened with campuses last spring. But that really influenced my concept of like engaging people civically. When students couldn't use their constitutional right to protest, to organize peacefully and to assemble and express their views, it was representative of the gridlock in our government and it's representative of a kind of law and order mentality that we see now that goes beyond like partisan politicking. Obviously everything is inherently political, but not everything has to be inherently partisan. And so when I approach like Kent State Votes, 
I look at it as a, as in students, young people, among other groups, have been particularly targeted to be silenced in the past. And I definitely think that that still happens today, whether it's residual or new in some cases. But either way, student voice is oftentimes looked over as radical or dismissed as being too dreamlike or too apathetic or we don't know enough, um, regardless of how educated we are. So I think that an initiative like Kent State Votes is incredibly important to ensure that not only we are receiving the rights that we deserve, but that we're fighting for them. Because the moment you become compliant, you allow a, a regime or any kind of power scheme to take those rights away if they see fit. So I think that as much as like Kent State Votes may sound like just registering voters, just getting out the vote, it is students taking back their voice, which has been taken away throughout our history. That's a, that's a really great way of framing that. Um, I, I mean, I think, and Ethan, we've talked about this a little bit in, in different contexts as well, thinking about, right, that Kent State Votes initially uh, was a voter registration. And once students and you all um, really became involved, you saw it as so much bigger. You saw it as a way to engage the student body. Um, and, and I think that that's a really powerful statement and, and connecting it back to May 4th really resonates for me as well. But this is a lot of work, right? Like <laughs> this stuff is not, it's not like you're like, well, one hour every month, I'm just going to sit down and do this. I know because we've connected previously that you've been doing this work all summer long. You got connected with it, you know, last year. How do you continue to, 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 to engage, I guess, um, you know, what motivates you to, to invest this much time in a project like this? So what motivates me the most, um, is, I mean, yeah, I have this like occurring passion for politics, but there's also, um, the constant political change that's going on, like in, in the United States consistently reinvigorates me. So like the Black Lives Matter movement that we've seen, the resurgence of it has also, it's just given me another um, another thing to be motivated about and to be like, you know what, like, yes, I'm doing this for students and like, yes, we're doing this on Kent State's campus, but we serve, I mean, on main campus alone, there are thousands upon thousands of students from all different backgrounds and walks of life. And a lot of them are involved in these kind of things. And it goes beyond just just voting. So there's plenty of things that consistently motivate me, including COVID-19. So if we had been having this conversation a year ago, it would be so different. But now I already know going forward into this semester that we're going to have to do a lot of things remotely that we haven't done before. And we're going to have to invest heavily um, in a remote presence, which ironically, like with most political engagement, like in person is always best. Like that's just like rule of thumb. Like if you can have a conversation with someone like we are now, you can get a lot more done. You can get a lot more consensus building done. You can influence people a lot more or learn about them and let them influence you. So it's going to be a different reality in getting people out to vote. And part of it, like even when we register people looking forward, I'm pretty sure we're going to have to register and request for absentee ballots. Like we're going to have to couple things together. And especially if we get like recently, it was one, I had a meeting with some, some of the 
amazing people at the library who work with voter registration. And they were like, what happens if we run out of absentee ballots? What happens if mail gets overloaded, the postal service gets overloaded? Because there may be a lot of different things this election and money can be scarce, as I'm sure we all know, to invest in these kind of things. So all of these challenges that we don't know for sure will happen, we just have to guess. Ethan, let me ask you a follow-up question about that. I, <laughs> I think that uh, Ashley and I as faculty, and you know, we hear other faculty talk too, have, have noticed that on occasion it's difficult to get students to remember deadlines, like, you know, voting. <laughs> <laughs> and then you add in layers of things like then you have to register to, you know, vote in this one election. So Ohio has it where you have to register to remote vote every election. It's not a blanket like other states have. When you put m- layers of barriers in, how do you connect to students who may see just even one additional layer as too cumbersome? How do you do that, especially when you can't meet them in person and, and right meet them where they're at and say, listen, I know it seemed complicated, but let me walk you through it. How, how does that happen? So unfortunately, I think that recently we have been pushed to get more political than we've had to. Normally, I like to level with students and say like, look, there are institutional barriers to you voting. That is just a fact. There will it will be harder than it seems like it should be. It's like waiting in the line, like to get your driver's license, like all that kind of stuff. Like it will be harder than it should be. But you're right. Now that it's remote, that conversation isn't even happening in the same manner. Uh, and I personally, I'm not even sure yet how we're going to best connect people. Like telling them they have to request the absentee ballot request, like is just, that's hard enough, but we're going to have to try and do it. And it may come down to us being more blunt about it and being like, this is a process that unfortunately it falls on you. And it may seem like it should get easier because of COVID-19, but that may not be the case. And in fact, um, like what we saw in Georgia, unfortunately there are leaders that just do not think they need to help voters vote. They think that that's our own responsibility. You know, that concept of a negative right, where it's like, we're not going to touch you, do what you want. This is where it shows. So personally, I'm going to be flat out. I don't know how best to do that, but we're going to try several methods. One of them is TurboVote, which we're trying to get. It sends you reminders for when to vote on all the deadlines. It allows you to, to walk you through registration and requesting an absentee ballot anything that they're capable of getting their hands on, like absentee ballot requests um, and registration forms, they'll send it to you pre-postmarked, which is awesome because college students, another thing, you talked about deadlines, but they also don't know how to mail things. I I myself am guilty. I did not know where the post office at Kent was in the student center until I needed to for the election, actually. So it really does help to have just those little things, those little barriers removed. But if we are able to get, and I'm pretty sure that we will now, TurboVote as a platform, to explain a little bit more, there's an app for it, but there's also a portal, like how Blackboard and Canvas are for student grades. So it's a customized website, but it's part of TurboVote. So it'll have like Kent colors and like Kent specific information. 
but it will be through TurboVote and they'll do it for us. So that kind of thing may allow students to be more comfortable using it because it's pretty easy for us to catch on to stuff like Blackboard. We're pretty familiar with technology. So maybe that could be a real game changer, but we, we have to try it out. We'll just have to experiment. I think that's right. And, you know, even on our end, right, I've been teaching online for a while now. I'm not going to give you years, but it's been a while. And in the change, the change that we're seeing now, it's just a completely different environment, right? We're dealing, uh, this isn't students who signed up to take a fully online asynchronous course. We're balancing lots of demands and lots of accessibility, right? So in the same way, you all are responding and thinking about what's a what's a new strategy that I can use to outreach and connect and engage. Um, and it, it's, yeah, so that, anyways, that resonates with me. But I have a question for you uh, that maybe is pulling us away from specifically Kent State votes and is a little bit more abstract. And that's really just to ask, like, what does civic and political engagement mean to you, right? We're talking about voting, we're talking about politics, we're talking about being involved, but just from your perspective, what is what is civic and political engagement? So to me personally, I don't think, for as a blanket statement before I even go any, any farther, I don't think that everyone has to know everything about everything political. I think there's a real mistake in thinking that like if you go and vote for someone you have to have a high priority or you have to know everything about them or you have to have all these stances some people might some people might not but i think that it really does have to be a personal question as to like why why do i feel like i should engage in the system i know for so i work at a pool store in the summer when I'm not, when I'm not doing this kind of work and the two owners, one is like a staunch business owner, like conservative. I'm not going to pay any taxes, blah, blah, blah. The other one is like, we need to benefit our community. And I'll tell you once the husband was the wife, you can, so they, every single election would vote the exact opposite straight down the ticket against each other cancel each other out they're married they just cancel each other out on the same business cancel each other out every time every every time but no matter what they would both go to the polls together and they'd both do it and they'd both talk about it and to me it's just a good analogy and a little bit funny as to why you still need to be engaged because they're having that conversation every election and they have totally different perceptions of what their vote is for whether it's community oriented or whether it's for personal interest. And I'm not going to tell people which one's correct. To me, to be politically engaged and civically engaged, I think that the rights that I'm afforded, I should make use of um, as much as possible. I think that if I'm given the opportunity to vote, if I'm given the opportunity to protest, if I'm given the opportunity to organize, I'm going to more often than not take it up and find a reason to do it. Do I think that that's what it means to everyone? No, but I think that it's pretty clear that it is a personal choice, but you deserve the ability to make that choice and make it easily. Now, uh, young adults often get this rap for being apathetic and that you don't care about anybody but yourselves. And I don't know. I mean, there's there's a whole host <laughs> of things I can list off that grumpy old people complain about. 
I'm pretty sorry. sure that was what they said about me when I was in I mean, college, too. Right? No, but <laughs> to be fair to the grumpy old people, you, you once were young, too. And the, the grumpy old people then also thought you were apathetic. So, <laughs> But from your perspective, I mean, from my perspective, that's not true at all. My students care deeply about so many things. And it's refreshing to hear their thoughts and, and their opinions about the things that they care deeply about. So what then is this disconnect between caring a lot about issues and mobilizing students to go out and vote and or engage politically? How, how do we fix that bond? Because it's not one that's unique to the current uh, generation, but it is one that, for, that we, we don't know how to get a lot better at fixing. So I think that young people and older people, middle age, whatever age you are, I think that as you age, you engage in politics differently. I think personally that young people believe that these institutions are not built for us. They are built by our predecessors and our predecessors tend to use them or at least grow into them. Like you said, like this is not a new problem, but perhaps that young generations consistently grow into their institutions and feel like they change them, which at times they really have. And they feel like the institution is now ready for them to use. That's really what I see going on. However, those that lead social movements are oftentimes young people because they don't feel like institutions are for them. They feel like they have to make new ones or work outside of them. And so when we see like the protests like for BLM this summer, overwhelmingly it's young people mobilizing on apps like Twitter and TikTok, which who would have thought that would be a hotbed for activism, but it really is. Young people are using what they know. And I think that older generations usually measure political engagement through institutionalized um, metrics, like voting, you know, like young people vote less. But who's to say that like the act of protest hasn't changed more minds and changed more votes than the vote itself. So I think that you have to be careful how you're measuring political engagement before asserting that young people aren't as politically engaged. And then I also have access to the report on voting at Kent that's done through, I think, oh, I can't remember, it might be Tufts University, but it allows us to see like the demographics of who's voting and what, and you know, that kind of thing. And right now, like Kent last midterm, the midterm before our voter turnout was abysmal, but then it moved on par with universities across the nation. And hopefully this election um, we'll see it boost even farther. So there's a clear difference between even college students and non-college students that are young people. And I also want to be clear that older college students, um, like untraditional college students, they vote overwhelmingly, like in the 70s to 80s percent. So like it's it's hard to blanket a statement and say like young people aren't politically involved because there's a lot of ways to be involved. Um, and we're not always measuring them. So you were talking about you know voter engagement, just political engagement in general, and trying to to think through um, how we how we measure it. And one of the things that you kind of reference, but I, I want to actually draw it out a little bit more, is on a college campus, not all students can vote. Either they're not old enough to vote yet, or we have a lot of international students um, that aren't voting in our national, local, state elections. 
how do you think through ways to engage them politically and recognizing what, you know, that, that there are barriers to everyone being able to, to vote? So for international students in particular, but there's also like 17 year olds that can't vote, that kind of thing. I think it, it's, you can still get them politically engaged. They can still volunteer. They can still voice their concerns and they still have the ability to get other students to advocate for them. I think that's something that we don't express enough. And it's become apparent with the pandemic recently that I don't think we focus enough on community well-being and advocating for those that don't have the same luxuries that you do beyond just like misfortune. Like it's really easy for communities to rally around someone whose home that burnt down, but it's harder for them to rally around people that have generational poverty when they feel like they're able to blame people for it. So even international students, it's easy for people to be like, oh, be thankful for being here. Be thankful for the opportunities you have. When in reality, we should consistently be working to improve their lives and get them involved in the process because they live here. I mean, they may not be able to vote for whatever reason, but they live here too. They deserve to be involved in political discourse. And our representatives, they don't just represent American citizens. They represent their kids. They represent people in prisons. Um, They represent international Mm -hmm. students, people on visas. They represent all of them. And we need to make sure that we are taking them into the political process, whether that means getting them involved in civic engagement like me or whether it means taking them on advocacy trips to the state house to talk to representatives because they can do that. Like people can do that. Like it's something we miss, but you can go talk to who represents you or their staff and it does work. So in your ideal world, what would an engaged citizenry look like? And and why would that be something that would be valuable that we would desire to have? So an engaged citizenry is always working to make sure they're engaged. I don't think that an ideal world is one where we all sit back and we're like, oh, great, we have everything that we need. I think that politics is constantly shifting and the ways to be involved are constantly shifting. And it's been proven like throughout history, like there has never been a consistent political dogma or like some kind of system that's always worked. We have consistently improved over time, sometimes taken steps back. But I think that an engaged citizenry is most of all not afraid to question the institutions that they have. I do think institutions are necessary. I think that the best way to organize people in a consistent manner year after year, but we can get stuck thinking that that's the only way to do things because it's worked well in the past. And in the United States, like we consistently see that outdated institutions hold us back. And honestly, the best way to gauge whether a citizenry is engaged properly is with polarization. Um, I think this is another good parallel for May 4th, but when the system is polarized, the typical ways of engagement go out the window and some uh, marginalized groups feel that they will have to navigate and find new ways to do things. They lose faith in tradition. They lose faith in those structures that they're supposed to use. And even like telling people what to do. Like, I think when we tell people like, oh, go out and vote, like voice your voice your protest concerns, like go and show it at the polls. It's like so ignorant because like 
those are just separate things. And it's okay to, to feel like you can be engaged in a different way than just voting. So in like my ideal world, everyone is making that choice and they have that choice to make on their own. How do I think that my views should be expressed? Do I want a conversation? Do I want change? Do I want things to stay the same? And why do I want those things? And to me, it's giving people that tool set. Like these are all the things you can use to influence your government, to influence people. And a lot of people, those tools just aren't available. They're not easy to use. Sometimes they don't work. Thank you for that. Do you have any other kind of words of wisdom for our listeners or to your your fellow students? Last things you want to say? Well, I do want to give a shout out to Kent State Votes and to our undergraduate student government. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for President Sierra Moore, now president. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for their awesome work. I also think that this is a job that you can do in many capacities. You can get involved. It's not hard when you set your mind to it. You don't have to do everything. As I've said before, you don't have to know everything. You just need to know what you want and then pursue it. And if you're passionate about the environment, if you're passion, passionate about whatever political act it may be, make that your reason to fight for a way to voice those concerns. We often feel a disconnect between our government and ourselves. Like our government, we forget that it's supposed to represent us and it's supposed to look like us and it's supposed to act like us. But we also forget that a lot of times it does. And when people are yelling at each other on the Senate floor, maybe it's because people are yelling at each other at the kitchen table. And there are ways to solve that. And it isn't easy, just like it's it can sometimes be really hard to deal with close friends and family that disagree with you. It's just as hard in politics. I mean, we forget that these are colleagues that oftentimes work together. It just seems like in public that they never get along. And it's reflective of us as a whole. As as small as Kent State votes may seem compared to our national party politics, it really does matter. And like Kent State has a large student population of a lot of intelligent, bright young people that I want to see doing what they can. And that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to to do my best to give them the opportunity to do that politically and civically, but also to have some fun along the way because I may be passionate about politics, but I know it can be draining. So it's always great to make friends and to build relationships and, you know, to just have a good experience. You don't have to do it forever. So that's what I'm here to do, though. I'm here to build a strong uh, civic engagement initiative for the future. So, Then thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I mean, I think that the Kent State student body uh, is very lucky to have you as, as part of them. So uh, we're, we're glad that you joined us and we're glad that you're at Kent State. Yeah, yes, I'm glad you. that you have me. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed <laughs> it. <laughs> Excellent. Thanks for listening to the Growing Democracy podcast. I'm Casey Boyd-Swan, and my co-host is Ashley Nichols. Our podcast is edited by Jeremy Demery at Golden Ox Studio right here in Cleveland, Ohio, and supported by the American Political Science Association. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website, growingdemocracyoh.org.